Hi, and welcome to While I Still Have Breath. This is my podcast. My name is Mike, and I am excited for episode one. This has been a journey that really has taken quite a few different turns, and I'm pretty excited about finally being at a point where I can just create uh, whatever this ends up being and and that's something kind of really exciting to me and yeah I'm glad that you've decided to come along for the the ride at least for one episode I hope that you'll stick around and listen to more than just one so I just yeah wanted to welcome you to the podcast and and basically let you know that I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining this podcast uh, on this episode. I created an episode zero that is about, I think, 40 minutes long or, or so. And really, it's kind of just a way for me to explain kind of what I'm trying to do with this and why I started it and what it is, I guess. And... I wanted to do that separately so that uh, I could just really get into what I want to say for episode one. And so if that's something that you want to listen to, you can find it. Uh, it's just called episode zero. I think it's called Welcome to the Podcast. I do talk a little bit about just how important it is to to do the things that you really want to do. and And some of the reasons that I was hesitant to do this or other even other things in my life that I've been hesitant to do some of the reasons why and stuff like I I just think that there is some in in episode zero there is some things that maybe you can take away from it and and so it's not it's not a waste of time or anything but I, I know that some people might not really be interested in listening to a guy explain why he's starting a podcast for 40 minutes. So, so it's all good either way. I, I just want to let you know that that's there for this episode. I am going to be doing, I think it's going to be split into three or four parts. It's just a really long story that I don't really want to leave anything out. I don't want to make it like the shorter version. So I, I've decided that I'm just going to make it a a multiple part kind of thing. And I I feel like it's a really good place to start because it, it kind of is the reason why I call this while I still have breath. It's a part of my life that really changed a lot of things for me. And it was something that happened in my life that there's kind of my life before what happened and my life after. And that's kind of like you, you only have probably like a handful of those moments in your life that really kind of shape uh, different things. And this was definitely one of them. And so it's a really good place to start for this podcast because it's a huge part of me in whatever it ends up being four episodes. And I really hope that, you'll be interested in the story, but also you will get something out of what I went through because in my eyes, I really do think that we learn so much from each other's experiences. And 
there's been so many life lessons or just things that I've taken from friends and family that they've gone through that really helped me in in a lot of different ways and I think that might be easier for me than some other people like I've I find that I'm a really empathetic person like I can really feel the things that other people go through and some people aren't like that like and and that's not a bad thing it's just you know who you are is who you are but I think that for me that's something that I wear that like as a person is just like part of who I am is that I really feel everything. So I do take a lot from other people's uh, stories, but hopefully in this story, you will be able to take uh, some lesson or get something out of it. I really want to say before I start with this story that this is a very vulnerable thing to do. This is a very important time in my life that was very emotional for me. And so for me to tell it like this and put it up on the internet and just have it be out there and have whoever comes across it listen to it, that's a pretty scary thing for me. For me, this is all about helping each other. And the only reason that I feel like telling this story is a good thing is that someone whether it's you or someone else might listen to this and hear it and it might encourage them in some way to do something that they wouldn't have done if they hadn't have heard this I feel like it's important to tell our stories and maybe be a little bit uncomfortable doing it I guess the other reason that I'm doing this is because I think that it really helps to talk about things and whether or not you're someone that believes in therapy or counseling or anything like that, there's something that happens when we talk about the things that we're going through or the things that, you know, either we're struggling with or thinking about or whatever. And I just think that it's such an important thing to do for our like mental health, but also just for ourselves to grow as a person. I think that holding things in is very dangerous and it kind of just doesn't really give us the chance to move on from those things. I think that once we kind of talk about them, sometimes that helps us kind of just get past some of that stuff. So let me just start and we'll just get this this whole thing going. When I was young, I had a lot of trouble sleeping and we're not talking about like it took me a while to fall asleep or I just couldn't fall asleep sometimes. I I had trouble sleeping every single night. I couldn't I just couldn't get to sleep. I couldn't shut my brain off. I remember well into grade seven, grade eight, there were times where I couldn't sleep to the point where I had to like go. I had a sleeping bag that kind of stayed under my parents' bed and I would literally go in and sleep on their floor and it would help me get to sleep. And it just was not good. I, I think looking back on kind of what it was and what I've done to kind of combat that issue is that just I could never shut my brain off 
I would, I would lay in bed and I would just be thinking about everything. And it was just really hard for me. I'm sure that people can identify with this, but I would get to a point in the night where I hadn't fallen asleep and I knew what time I had to get up in the morning for school or for whatever. It kind of switched from being frustrated that you couldn't get to sleep to, man, I have to be up in two hours. Like now I'm not going to get any sleep. And so you just like are frustrated that you have to wake up soon. And that's kind of the cycle that I was in from a really early age. So my parents wanted me to see a sleep therapist. And so I did. I, I mean, I was under my parents' rule at that time. And I just kind of had to do what they wanted me to do. They probably didn't like me sleeping on their floor almost every night. So I went and saw a sleep therapist. And I don't really remember everything that happened at the sleep therapist. I, I know. So the main thing I remember is that uh, she asked me, where my favorite place in the world was. I know that I didn't hesitate for a single second. I knew right away where it was and it was my grandparents' house in North Carolina. There was just something special about that place to me. We only really went once a year. It was like every March break, we would go down and see them. And that might have something to do with how special I thought it was, but It was also just the love that I felt there. My grandparents, especially my grandmother, I like she just spoiled us with love. She just was like such an exciting person to be around and very kind of loud and energetic. And they both had these great Southern accents that, I mean, as a Canadian, you're, you're kind of just like in awe of this accent when, when they're talking, it's just so much fun to listen to them because we talk so different. I'm sure they felt the same way about us that, that we talked so different, but I really always struggled with how long between visits we had to wait and, and that it was really tough for me to not see them for such a long time and then go back once a year and I don't know if you've ever been away from someone you love for a really long time, but when you finally have the chance to reconnect, you just have so much to catch up on. And there's something about just being in their presence that's special. That's the feeling I got every single time that I went down to North Carolina. They were really fun people to be around and there was just this love there that there's something so special about a grandparent's love for their grandchildren. I didn't really notice it from the outside perspective, but now that I see my parents as grandparents to my, my two brothers, kids, you just see this. There's just, it's a different kind of love than parents with their kids and not to say it's less than or more than it's just different. And I just really love them. I I love them. And and I just, there was something about being there that was like almost magical. My grandparents lived on the top of a mountain. So we would drive down to 
North Carolina. It was about, I think, 14 or 15 hour drive, but it was probably more because, you know, we were young kids and there's three of us and we were trouble and we would drive down and, and we'd finally get there. And I, I don't think North Carolina is really known for its mountains, but, and these mountains aren't your Rocky Mountains. They're, you know, just really big hills kind of, but still they're, you know, they're, they're pretty high up and, and they lived, my grandfather was a grader. He, he did a lot of different stuff with dump trucks and bulldozers. And he actually built this like log cabin at the top of a mountain. And he built, he had to build a road up to the, the cabin, the, the house. And, and he, he did it all. He built this great house that was just, it had a porch all the way around it. And, uh, we would just, we would run around the house, you know, for hours we would, we would do, we even do races and kind of time ourselves running around this house on the porch. And my grandma loved her porch swings. And so we would swing on those swings on the porch outside for again, hours. It would just be, we'd be on these porch swings. If you look at the pictures we have from our childhood going down to North Carolina and a lot of them are Polaroids, which is kind of fun. But so many of them were on porch swings with, with our grandma. And uh, and it's just, you know, it's it's just, there's so many memories there. So you would, you would drive up this dirt road. And a lot of times our, we had like a minivan. And a lot of times we couldn't make it up because some of the parts were just too steep or the gravel was too loose or we would just kind of start spinning our tires and we'd have to leave our car halfway down the mountain and we'd need our grandparents and my grandpa to come down and, and pick us up. And there's just so many really cool memories. It was a, it was a really magical place. You didn't see other people up there, you know, and, and uh, you, could hear them coming from the bottom of the mountain. You could just hear them coming up the driveway. And so you'd know probably about 10 minutes before anyone got there that they were coming. And it was weird. It was just kind of creepy because sometimes like they weren't expecting visitors. And then all of a sudden you hear this car coming and they would just kind of be like, who is that? And so they'd wait and you kind of, there was, there was parts of the driveway that you kind of see from their house. So you kind of see what car it was. And sometimes they'd be like, oh, like that's so-and-so. But sometimes it would be like, oh, I have no idea who that is. So it could be just a random person that is driving up this road because they just, they're out exploring or whatever. All that to say, it was my favorite place in the world. There was no close second. That just goes to show like how, how important they were and that place was to me and i'll give you a little history on my family and it's a it's pretty complicated it's it's not easy to kind of keep track of and it's my dad's side so uh my grandpa in north carolina my grandpa wayne is my dad's father and my grandma pat is wayne's wife but not my dad's biological mother my dad grew up with his biological mother and never really knew his father, Wayne. 
somewhere along the way as my dad was growing up he kind of fell out with my my grandmother my his biological mother so all of a sudden and that was before i was born so i didn't really see my i'm doing air quotes but my real grandmother uh much at all because they just didn't get along and she wasn't in our life and so on my dad's side i grew up not really knowing his parents or having grandparents um for i don't know the first year or so of my life i think that's kind of how how it went so but when my dad was around 27 and it was shortly after i was born my grandfather and who i call my grandmother from north carolina and okay i want to stop right there she is my grandmother and that's just how it is i guess i'm trying to explain to you kind of exactly who everybody is but that's my grandmother i don't really know my dad's real mother but my grandma pat is my grandma i don't care what anybody says i'm like getting a little emotional just even saying this because she just means so much to me so that's that <laughs> just making sure that i get that in there because i don't want especially if she ever listened to this i want her to know that there's no one else obviously my grandmother on my mom's side my nana was amazingly important to me but uh my grandma pat is right there next to her so when my dad was around 27 years old uh, it was shortly after I was born. My my grandma and my grandpa showed up at our door and we lived in Ottawa at the time. And they came all the way from North Carolina to find my dad. So this is 27 years into his life. He hadn't met my grandfather before. And basically the story behind that and why they came and found him was because my grandfather had asked my grandma to marry him and she found out that he had a son that he had never met. So this is something that she just wasn't okay with. She basically made sure that my grandfather found my dad before they got married and I kind of envision this as kind of the opposite of a parent leaving a baby on a doorstep. I guess if my grandpa had never said anything about his son, maybe I would have never met them and my dad would have never met his father. But that's not how the story goes at all. I imagine my grandpa and grandma out on a date before they got married, uh, still getting to know each other. And maybe at a point where they're airing out some, you know, dirty laundry or whatever you do in, you know, just after the first date, second date, third date, you start to kind of talk about things that have happened in the past. And somewhere along the line, I picture my grandpa sharing, well, I, I actually have a kid that I've never really met somewhere up in Canada. And I just picture, I don't know if you need to close your eyes or whatever, but I, I just picture when those words left his mouth, the world changed in in my life anyway in my family's life the world kind of changed because this woman that he was with 
wasn't okay with him not knowing his son. My world was different. My dad's world, my, you know, my brothers, my whole family, my mom. It's crazy to think of, but the conversation between my grandpa and grandma that really could have happened before I was even born set in motion what was going to happen years and years later on October 8th, 2015. And that day was going to change my life. And it would have never happened if that conversation between my grandparents never happened. That's just something that I think about. It kind of melts my brain a little bit, but uh, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think that that is something that, that changed everything. It's interesting to think about the little things that happen in life that set things in motion. It's the ripple effect theory where the smallest little thing that happens can change so much. And in this case, it was a really big deal that she decided that she wasn't going to marry my grandfather until he found his son. As I mentioned before, we visited my grandparents in North Carolina about once a year for March break. These visits happened into my high school years. So during my grade 12 year, I was on, I was actually on tour with a band I played in called uh, Fighting the Fall. And it turned out that we had three days off between shows and we were actually in the Eastern part of Tennessee, which wasn't very far away from my grandparents in North Carolina. They live in the Western part of North Carolina and we were in the Eastern part of Tennessee. So, so we were close by and I gave them a call and I asked if we could come and visit during those days off. And I was pretty new to the band and was still kind of adjusting to life on the road. Uh, it was a pretty kind of just crazy change for me. So time with family and people I knew was, was definitely going to be very welcome. It was going to be kind of a relief to me. So we, we went and visited them and on the second morning, of our visit with my grandparents, uh, my grandma came t to me and just said that something had come up and they had to leave for a couple of days to visit some family members that lived across North Carolina. I didn't really think much of it because she seemed as disappointed as I was that our time was going to be cut short by a day. But we said our goodbyes and the guys and I headed towards our next destination. And I had no idea that this was going to be the last time. I would see my grandparents. So when I say that, I'm sure your brain kind of starts to turn a little bit. It wasn't that my grandparents died or they got lost somewhere or I didn't stop caring about them and I just kind of started never going to see them again. I wasn't upset with them that we had to leave early or anything like that. For some reason, and I had no idea, but for some reason, my grandparents just stopped talking to us, stopped talking to me, stopped talking to my family, and we just lost all contact with them. When I said goodbye to my grandparents that day in 2003, I think it was, they abandoned us. They stopped talking to us. I tried calling them over and over again, and no one would pick up. I tried emailing but I would never get a response. It's not like I could just drive over to their place. So I was pretty limited in what I could do. 
For a while, I thought it must have been something that I did because I was the last one to see them. I had no idea what was going on, but other members of my family, like my, my brothers and my parents, started trying to get a hold of them, and they got the same result as I did. After a couple of years, you start to lose determination in a lot of ways. There's just something about having someone ignore you. It, you know, Maybe you've gone through it, whether it's with a relationship or a family member or a friend, but you kind of start to feel like, okay, you're not going to talk to us. You're not going to talk to me. Then I'll just leave you alone, whatever. They were the only reason we ever went down to North Carolina. So there wasn't really any reason for us to drive that far, especially if we didn't know if they would even talk to us. So I just remember writing emails all the time. They'd kind of get more and more desperate. It would be if I've done something wrong or there's something going on that I don't know about, please just tell us there's nothing too big for us to just not talk. And I'd tell them that I love them and that I was sorry, and I just don't know what happened. It's really tough when you don't know what happened. There's not a lot of closure, and as the years go by, your brain kind of wanders to weird places. Did I leave the room too messy, or did I not say thank you, or did I just do something that offended them? It's really petty things, but you, you just don't know. You don't know what happened. So you your brain kind of tries to make up reasons why what is happening might be happening. One day in 2008, so it was you know years after all of this happened, my younger brother decided to give my grandparents a call. He was traveling. Uh, his His wife actually is from Pennsylvania, so... He was in Pennsylvania and was close enough that he thought that maybe he could stop by and visit or just talk to them. So he found their number and gave them a call. And I think he was initially surprised that someone actually answered, but he was calling from an American number. Uh, it wasn't a Canadian number. So I think that for some reason his call just got answered because... It wasn't local to North Carolina, but it, was, it wasn't a Canadian number. So the conversation was short and it went something like this. So my grandma said, hello. And Ryan said, hi, grandma, it's Ryan. And my grandma said, oh, Ryan, click. My grandma hung up the phone. Now, my brothers and I are pretty different. I don't know how my younger brother reacted to this happening. I know that I would have just been devastated. I'm, I, you know, he might've been, I, I don't know. It's so weird. Why would she just hang up as soon as she knew that it was him? And from that point on, I was kind of too afraid to call. I didn't want that to happen to me. I didn't know if I would be able to handle it. It would probably just tear me up. So I didn't call them after that. I remember constantly trying to find my grandmother on Facebook. You know that period of time where moms and dads and grandparents started being on Facebook and pretty much everyone else just stopped being on Facebook? I don't know if it was 
because of that, but probably. And I knew my grandma and, and I knew that she had grandchildren from a previous marriage before my grandfather. So I kind of figured she would be on Facebook somewhere, most likely creeping on her other grandchildren's photos and videos or profiles. I was never able to find her though. I, I don't know why, but I just couldn't find her. And I, I remember looking for hours and hours. I remember looking up her maiden name and just different v versions of spelling or uh, the short form of her name, the long form of her name, and just never had any luck. It just never happened. And in 2011, I made one last effort to reach out to my grandparents. I, I sent a long, really long note and some pictures in the mail. There's kind of something different about real mail, almost more serious about real mail. I didn't get a m response from that either, but I can remember always having a little like small glimmer of hope that I might just get a letter in the mail because there was a return address on my on my letter so so maybe they would just send me something back and I was wrong I didn't ever get anything after that a part of the desire I had to reconnect with them kind of just died I just didn't understand what possibly could have happened for them to just completely shut all of us out over the next four years I started to accept that I might never ever get a, an answer from them or I might not ever even get to talk to them again. As frustrating as that was, I just tried to focus on the positives. I had an amazing family right in front of me. There was no use dwelling on the relationship with my grandparents that I had no control over. So instead I focused on what I could control. I still looked for her on Facebook every now and then but beyond that, I knew the only way I'd ever get through to them is driving all the way down to North Carolina and knocking on their door. I started thinking about the logistics behind taking a trip like that. I was, I was kind of like, what would it take? What, what would I have to do? Uh, how many days would I need? I Googled their address to see what the route would be to, to take. I, I didn't really, I'd never driven it. I was, I was a kid when we went down all the other times, so I Googled it, and that Google search brought me way more than <laughs> I bargained for. I realized that their house on the mountain was for sale. I just remember my heart sunk when I saw that their house was for sale. I didn't know why they were selling. I didn't know how to find out why they were selling. I decided to kind of become a bit of a detective and I messaged the real estate agent and I, I remember saying, you know, what, just curious why the, the people are selling this house. And he wasn't really super helpful, but he did tell me that the current owners were just looking to be closer to the city. And, and so the fact that he said owners at least let me know that they were both still alive and nothing like that had happened. So I was, I guess, happy about that. I, I was relieved that it wasn't that one of them had maybe passed away. Uh, if I was going to make this trip, though, it had to be soon. And 
it had to be before they moved because after they move, I wouldn't have any idea of where they were. And so that kind of got me thinking even harder. And that was something that kind of pushed me in the direction of, cause before I knew that they were moving, I was just kind of in a place where I didn't really make any plans to go. And then once I knew that they were moving and I knew that my window of opportunity might be closing in, I decided that I had to take it a little more seriously. I don't know how old you are while you're listening to this. Maybe you're still in high school or maybe you're in college. Maybe you're somewhere in your 40s or maybe you have grandchildren of your own. But one thing I've noticed since graduating from college and starting a a real career is that it gets harder to find time to do things outside your normal life or your normal routine. It's not to say you can't do things outside your normal routine, but you have to be more intentional about things. I think part of it comes from Western culture and just the fact that we focus so much on our, on our work, on our jobs. We work so hard and we set this standard and a lot of times it results in us kind of dreading weekdays and a lot of people just like kind of fantasize about the weekend and what's coming up for those two days. What am, what am I going to do this weekend? Cause that's the only time I have to do things. So many people you meet these days just, you know, spend their week on autopilot and they just get through their job and then Saturday comes and they're almost too tired to do anything other than sit on the couch or just catch up on a movie or a show that they've been watching. And I guess my point in all of this is, is that as kind of time was going by, I kind of felt this window closing with every year I was getting older. I was, I was kind of like, my opportunity is getting smaller and smaller to, to make this happen. And with that kind of comes the opportunity of possibly never seeing my grandparents again. My birthday is on October 2nd. And this particular year was a pretty important birthday. Uh, it was 2015 and I was celebrating my birthday and I probably, if it were up to me, would have treated it like any other day. I have never been huge on birthdays. I don't really like the attention (laughs) of a birthday. It's just, I don't know, it feels awkward to me. And, And so I probably would have just treated it like any other day. But the person I was in a relationship with at the time said, you know, Mike, it's your, it's your birthday. Uh, you have to do something special. What, what do you want to do? And I decided that I wanted to travel somewhere. And if you know me at all around that time, whenever I was ready to travel, my first choice was always Chicago. I had some really great friends in Chicago and I loved going to see them. And I loved spending time in that city 
And if you haven't been to Chicago, you have to go, uh, obviously, hopefully once this COVID stuff is over, you can go and you can see the city because it's a beautiful city. There's a lot of history there. You have to take a, a tour of the river, a boat tour of the river, and you'll see all kinds of buildings and the history behind all kinds of buildings in the city. And it's just a great tour. So that's the one piece of advice, the tourism advice that I'll give you. I guess I don't have commercials on this podcast yet, but that, that'll be kind of one of them, like tourism Chicago. But Chicago was just this place that was very important to me because of the people that I knew there. And so I kind of tried to make plans to go to Chicago and for some reason it was pretty short notice. They didn't really work out. It just wasn't going to happen. So a couple of my friends from Chicago though had moved to Nashville and I kind of decided that maybe Nashville would be a good place to go because it's a new place. I've been there before, but I hadn't been in a long time and I have some friends there. So it'd be really, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So I decided that I was going to go to Nashville. Once I kind of cleared with the people there that they were around, I decided to go to Nashville. If you know your American geography at all, you'll know that Tennessee where Nashville is, is right next to North Carolina where my grandparents are. I went to Nashville, had a great time. In the back of my head, I knew, obviously I knew where I was, but in the back of my head, I had North Carolina on my mind, like the song. I remember leaving Nashville on Tuesday, October 6th, 2015 with four days of vacation left. And there was something in my heart that was pulling me towards North Carolina. North Carolina isn't really on the way back from Nashville. I would have to kind of go out of my way to go to North Carolina. But I had four days left and it was a six hour drive from Nashville to my grandparents' house or my grandparents' town. And I don't know why I even pretended like there was an option because I knew deep down that I had to go. And that's what I did. I, I was like, when am I going to be this far south? I, when am I going to be within six hours of my grandparents' house again? And hopefully as you listen to this story, you'll start to kind of see where while I still have breath comes into play because if you think about that saying during the story, this was kind of one of those moments where in my heart, I was like, it doesn't even have to be my grandparents passing away one day. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't, have a guarantee that we're going to be around tomorrow. It just, it's one of those things that we try not to talk about because it's pretty serious. And I don't like thinking about it. Obviously nobody wants to think about possibly not being here, but what are we doing with the time that we do have? 
And so in my heart, I think about while I still have breath, while I can still breathe, while I can still drive my car and walk, what am I doing with my time? In Nashville with four days left of vacation, I made a decision uh, that I wasn't going to wait any longer to try and find my grandparents. It had been 12 years since that trip with my band and I needed to see them. And I was so close and there was something in me that refused to go home without seeing them. So I headed to North Carolina. To be honest with you, I really wasn't sure if I'd have the courage to knock on my grandparents' door. Before all of this happened, before this story, I was a lot different than I am now. I was a lot more scared to do certain things and played it safe a lot. And whew, and it just, it's one of those things where I knew that I wanted to see them and knock on their door, but I just didn't know if when it came down to actually doing it, I would be able to. I convinced myself that just seeing the area where they lived and visiting some of the places that we used to go to was worth just driving there. I think in, in my head, I was kind of preparing myself to possibly not see them. Uh, because maybe I'd get there and I just wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be too scared of, and and if you want to talk about, I can talk about why I was scared. The main reason was rejection. So kind of like when my brother called them and was rejected and, you know, my grandmother hung up on him. I was afraid that I would get there and they would slam the door in my face and I would have to live with that for the rest of my life. I was scared that maybe something had happened, had happened to them. I was scared of the result of what might happen. And so with that, I was kind of worried about how it was all going to go. So I drove to the area around their town and I got a hotel and I started, I just Googled their address and I, I found out <laughs> Here's like a twist. I found out that their house had sold. So they, they didn't live in that house anymore. So this kind of complicated things a little bit, right? I didn't know where they lived. And so I wasn't sure how I was going to find them. So kind of frantically that night, I started Googling their name and trying to find an address. And... I kept Googling, hoping that I would find their new address. And luckily I found one that matched their name. So I woke up in the morning pretty early. I put it into the GPS, this new address, and I drove towards their place. I was about an hour away and my mind was just going crazy. I thought, you know, I don't have to knock on their door. I could just drive by their house and kind of see what I see. I was totally zoned out. I was kind of just out of it. My just mind was racing 
over the last 12 years that I had just not seen them, what had happened? A lot can happen in 12 years. A lot can happen in a year. 12 years is crazy. Every turn my GPS told me to take, I felt myself gripping the steering wheel tighter and tighter. And then I heard those words, arriving at destination on left. I had made it there. I slowed down as I was driving to scope out their property and see if I could see anyone outside. But I didn't stop the car. (laughs) I couldn't. After I drove to the end of their street, I turned the car around and headed back towards their house. This time I stopped and I saw that there was a car in the driveway. But it didn't look like the car that I knew that they owned before. But it had been 12 years. So it's not like they would have the same cars. It didn't really look like anyone was home. It was like, you know, none of the the door wasn't open and lights weren't on. And just didn't give you the feeling that someone was home. So I kind of sat in the car and I just didn't really know what to do. I was frozen. I had come so far to get there and I did not want to pass up the opportunity. I was sitting in front of my grandparents' house for the first time in 12 years I was going to see them. I I kind of had this moment where I was struggling to get out of the car and and again this kind of while I still have breath thought came to my head I was I was like well think about the regret that I would have if I just didn't knock on the door and so I was scared probably more scared than I've ever been in my life but I opened the car door and I put one foot out and then the other and then I slowly kind of pulled myself out of the car And I started walking towards their front door. Every step that I took towards their front door, it just felt like I was in this horror movie where I was taking steps, but it just felt like it was getting further and further away. It took forever to get to that door. I finally got to the steps of their porch and I I walked up the steps and I knocked on the door. I, I just remember panicking as I'm just waiting for someone to come to the door. You know when you knock on the door and you're kind of listening to hear whether footsteps are coming towards the door or you hear movement in the in the house. Uh I didn't hear any movement. And so I knocked again. And I knocked a couple times and and just there was no answer. <laughs> and I just remember thinking that this was just not one of the scenarios I saw playing out. Imagine if they were just on vacation and they were gone for weeks and I just wasn't going to get to see them. And it was just so weird to me. I didn't know what was going to happen because I had knocked a bunch of times and nobody had answered. So I turned around and I thought, okay, well, I need to get home somewhat soon. I only had, I think at this point, three days left of vacation and it takes about a day to get back. But I thought maybe I can wait a little bit and I'll come back. So as I'm walking down the steps of their porch, a car pulls into the driveway. 
it's not a car that I recognized and I couldn't see who was in the driver's seat. The sun was kind of just shining in a way that I couldn't see. Obviously it's like, it's just how things go when you're in a story like this. And so the car stopped and I kind of made my way down the porch and someone opened the door of the car and got and started getting into the car. And who I saw was not who I expected it to be. That is where I'm going to end this part of my story. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to this so far. I'm going to continue the story in the next part, part two. By the time you listen to this, part two will probably already be out. So just click on number two if you are ready to go into the next part of the story and find out who stepped out of the car. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll tune in for the next episode of While I Still Have Breath. <laughs>